Blog Talk Radio. Kingway, Fox, Beer, Locker's acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendy's dog, Ransom is very hot. Four Drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fuck is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Data's cat, Kim packs that, Q has had enough of that, beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe with that incredibly awesome and stimulating song. That means it's time for Trek Talking, which means it's Thursday night, which means if you're listening to my voice, we are live, which means you can call 646. 646- Six six eight two four three three and join in the fun and we've got lots of fun planned for you guys tonight but before we get into that i just want to let everybody know that i am feeling much much better than i was on monday or thursday of last week i came down with covid and last week i could barely talk monday it was you know tough but today i'm feeling much better and uh so thank you thank you thank you for all the well wishes and I just got to tell everybody, it's serious. Take it serious. Get your boosters and, and do everything you can to protect yourself. You don't want to get this. It's not fun. Although, laying around watching Star Trek for eight days was pretty cool. But the, the illness itself is not. So, please, do everything you can to protect yourself and your loved ones from getting COVID. I'm telling you, from my personal standpoint, it's not fun. Okay, I'm going to step off my soapbox now and introduce to you guys my awesome truck spurts. And we're going to start off with our trifecta from Portland. And we'll start off with David. How are you doing tonight, David? Eating donuts. <laughs> Eating donuts. Okay, Homer. Well, lots of donuts available in this town, brother. Lots of donuts. <laughs> and... Uh, also from also from Portland, but hopefully not eating donuts. We have Paul. How you doing, Paul? I'm doing well, man. I, I don't have anything exciting to eat right now. I just have a wonderful pint of our pristine and highly uh, enlightening water in front of me. But uh, but I'm doing pretty good. I'm glad That's... tomorrow's Friday. Yes, I hear that. I hear that. And we also have wrapping up our trifecta. With us, as always, is Eric from Portland as well. How are you doing tonight, Eric? Uh, thank goodness it's Trek Talking Thursday. I am ready for it. And uh, I have, uh, conversely, 40 ounces of our fine, pristine Portland water here. But I also have two or three ounces of whiskey. So uh, we'll have a good podcast. Whoa. Well, <laughs> is that allowed? <laughs> the wine guy oh, yeah. has moved on to bigger and better things. <laughs> you got to read wow. the fine print, Paul. Gosh, I, I've been missing out, brother. Jeez Louise. Wow. Well, you know, in the words of Warp, I have to tell you, I must protest I am a merry man because it's Trek Talking Thursday. 
And wrapping up with my truck spurts, not from Portland, but from Las Vegas, is Charles. How you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good. We are still in the midst of the definite roller coaster of weather. I think we hit 99 yesterday. I think we hit around 100 today. But we got wind gusts coming through. We might see 40-mile-an-hour winds. And tomorrow would be about 84. Wow. Well, it is what it is, I guess, right? So, guys, we have a great show planned for you guys tonight. We're going to be talking about Star Trek Strange New Worlds, Episode 2, Children of the Comet. That was last week's episode, for those of you who are keeping score. Although I have watched tonight's episode three times already. Like I said, I have COVID, so I've got nothing else to do. We won't be talking about that episode until next week, which gives you guys a chance to watch it so you can join in the fun. But we are going to be talking about Children of the Comet. Uh, we, we have a barbecue with Captain Pike. Ohura speaks how many languages? And what actually happened to her family? Why does she join Starfleet? And, of course, Hemmer isn't really an Andorian. He's an ENR. And the shepherds are gone, guarding an ancient comet. And last but not least, it's the power of music, people. We've got so much to talk about. We also have Star Trek birthdays to go over and fan shout-outs, as well as convention calendar. So we have a lot, and you guys definitely want to stay tuned. And you can go to our Facebook page. In the top of the Facebook page, you'll see Live Long and Prosper. All you do is stop in there, tell us where you're listening from. If you see a heart next to your name from yours truly, Uncle Jim, that means you're going to be mentioned on a future fan shout-out, just like these lucky listeners right now. So, Eric. Who do you have on your list? Oh, I have some great folks from all around the world on my list tonight. I'd like to send our very first shout-out out to Pep Icern from Reus, Spain. Ah, Spain, what a great country. You guys make great wine. You have some really beautiful coastlines. Uh, so, Pep, thank you so much for listening to us, and a big shout-out to you. We're also saying hello and sending out a giant kapla to Danny Walker from Darmstadt, Germany. or That's right, right there in the center of Europe. Uh, lots of support in Germany for the podcast. Thank you, Danny, for listening to us. We're also saying hello this week to Jose Ricardo from Portugal. Sends a little Portuguese flag icon to us. Hello, Jose. And we really do appreciate your support. Uh, I would love to go to Portugal someday. Never been there. Sounds amazing. Also great wine there, too. Uh, also, hello this week to Henrietta Biergaard Nielsen from Denmark. Oh, man, our next family vacation is probably going to be up to Scandinavia, and Denmark is definitely on my list. So, Henrietta, thank you so much for listening to us. And my final fan shout-out this week goes out to Guillermo Sayez Kettleberger from Santiago in Chile. Uh, sends us a Chile, uh, Chilean flag and a cool icon, and a little live long and prosper. So, Guillermo, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Charles, passing the torch to you, buddy. Okay, let's start off with Beth Kane in Silver Springs, Florida. McKenna James, originally from England, grew up in California, now living in Las Vegas, Nevada. 
McKenna, have you ever t- uh, met anybody from the USS Las Vegas, USS Renwinner, USS Hyperion? We've got quite a few ships around. You ought to come find us. Pam Andreas from Louisiana. Oh, talking to a friend heading to, Louisiana, uh, to New Orleans soon for a convention. I said, you better be ready to eat. A lot of good food in New Orleans. Kim Saxbeck from Denmark, EU. Finally, Bob Coilex from San Antonio, Texas. A big, live long and prosper to my group. And how about you, Paul? Well, my friend, we've got all kinds of fabulous folks spread across the globe this week. First of all, a mighty kapla. And thank you for listening to Aaron Coveney in fantastic Rotorua, New Zealand. That is on the North Island there, a land renowned for much mighty uh, geothermal activity and Maori culture. So wonderful hearing from you, Aaron. Thank you so much for reaching out. In Bavaria, Germany. A couple to Fran Nova. Fran sends us a wonderful live long and prosper icon there as well. Moving on to the other part of the globe, I'd like to send a great big uh, shout out to top fan Franco Marchese in Sicily. Buonasera, Franco. Buonasera. And thank you for listening. Also top fan status to our good friend Tsialdarcis Costas who writes to us from the cradle of civilization in beloved Alexandropolis in Greece. Thank you so much for listening, Tsialdatis. We appreciate hearing from you. And lastly, back here in the States, to top fan Robin Davis Fleming in South Carolina. It is great to hear from you all. Thank you so much for listening and letting us know that our zany vocal theatrics are reaching across the globe. Back to you, Uncle Jim. Who are you singing out to today, brother? Well, we like to say kapla to top fan Ken Malme, who's listening in Brooklyn, New York. Represent. I spent many a summer in Brooklyn, absolutely. Going to Coney Island, having hot dogs and knishes. Pizza in Brooklyn at King's is the best. So absolutely, absolutely uh, Love Brooklyn, New York. So thanks for listening to Ken. We also want to thank you to Anthony Barnett in Durham, North Carolina. We want to say kapla to John Fuller, who's listening to us in Ottawa, Canada. And we want to say thank you to Carlos Zigra, who's listening to Peru and sends us the Live Long and Prosper. And thank you so much. Live Long and Prosper to you, Carlos. And last but not least on my list, is Alex Tart from Marion, South Carolina. And that wraps up our fan shout-outs for this week. If you guys would like to hear yourself listed in a future fan shout-out, please head over to our Facebook page, Trek Talking and Beyond. Spell it all out and drop us a little line. Tell us where you're listening from. Look for a heart next to your name from yours truly, Uncle Jim, and then tune into the next podcast to hear your name. So that wraps up our fan shout-outs. We're going to take a quick break, and uh, we're going to send you guys into a commercial with the brand-new, just, just leaked to us, uh, theme song for Discovery Season 5. What do you think? Let us know. 
Burnham in her angel suit, she will never fail To lead her ship on future trips to save us Grenada Through with Starfleet through and through, Burnham sure and true The crew went all the way that day on a three-hour tour A three-hour tour Time travel was very rough and Burnham paid the cost that day Saru saved the whole dog crew But Discovery was lost Discovery was lost They splashed the ship right down You see in the 32nd century With Burnham And Mr. Saru Oh, Wushukun And Edmer The Emperor The Doctor And Stamets And Hero Discovery Hear my tale of discovery, a crew who's not all fine. They'll have to do the best they can to fit into this new time. Burnham and Captain Saru will do all that they can to take care of their crew, you see, and execute the plan. New races, world relationships, and new technology. Discovery was an ancient ship as primitive as in me. So turn up on each Thursday night right here on your TV. You never know what you will see here on Discovery. And we're back. What do you guys think about that new theme song for Discovery Season 5? You like it? I love it. Wow. That's a great theme song, man. And I don't know who that guy is singing it, but he sounds so good. Uh, he's awesome, isn't he? I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, it, it's 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 a great song. It really is a great song. No, but so, seriously, uh, guys, like from a musical standpoint, that song—I don't know if you count it or not. Uh, I actually lost count, but I'm pretty sure that song changes keys about uh, eight times. <laughs> so it's actually like, despite the fact that it's actually a TV jingle that everybody knows, it's a little challenging to sing because you just got to follow those key changes all the way through. Well, I think it's a spectacular job. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's better than uh, I have faith that you'll call. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. And, guys, um, we're we're just making – we're just having some fun with Discovery because that's what Kovic says to Saru, if you guys recall. And he says, this isn't going to be a three-hour tour. Everyone looks at him like, what? Well, that's, that's where I got that idea from. So anyways, we've had some fun. And now it's time to get right back into the action. We always uh, do our Star Trek birthdays every week. And if we're going to do that, we have to do this. was not a Klingon song. You know, Grumpy Wharf says that every week, but we love him anyways. We always start off with our Star Trek birthdays by remembering those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim. Uh, we have seven members of our Star Trek community who were remembering this week who would have had birthdays. Uh, first on our list is actress Kay Elliott. Uh, and if you do not know who Kay Kay Elliott is, perhaps if I said hardcore, that might clue you in a little bit. Uh, <laughs> have you, you been drinking again? Have you been you drinking You good for again? nothing! 
So Kay Elliott, of course, is known as Stella Mudd uh, from TOS's episode I Mudd, the wife slash uh, reincarnation almost of, no spoilers here from me, but uh, watch the episode if you haven't seen it, <laughs> it over the last 50, what, eight years or something? Uh. But seriously, uh, Kay Elliott, fantastic in that episode. And in the very same year she was in that episode, she appeared in a couple of other great uh, TV shows, uh, The Man from Uncle. And she was also on Gomer Pyle. Um, so uh, <laughs> great, great actress. <laughs> and uh, and I, surprise, just love her in that, I just love her in that role. Uh, and, of course, we get to revisit her just a little bit in the animated series, though I don't know that Kay Elliott actually does the voice uh, there. So, anyway, happy birthday to Kay Elliott, uh, who played Stella Mudd in TOS. We're also saying happy birthday this week to actor Barry Atwater, who originated the role of Serac in TOS's episode, The Savage Curtain. If you don't know who Serac is, uh, you should probably watch more Star Trek. That, of course, think? is the, uh, the father of Vulcan philosophy. Um, and uh, he's, he's a great character. Uh, Barry Atwater did a great job playing him in that episode. Barry Atwater, also known uh, for many other television shows of the time, including Gunsmoke, uh, Twilight Zone, those sorts of things. So uh, happy birthday to Barry. Dude, so, can I uh, add on there just really quick? Cause, please cause do. You guys blew my mind. Who of the two of you does the birthday collages that are on the Trek Talk and Facebook page? Is that you, Jim? Oh, those are Jim. No, no, I get, oh. I get those from StarTrek.com. Oh, okay. Because uh. one of those things, because of the one that was up there this week for Barry Atwater, it blew my mind, okay? I did not ever know that this was who he was, but uh, it really – I don't know if anyone else uh, is of a old enough vintage to remember Kolchak the Night Stalker, right? Oh, absolutely. Oh, okay. That so was before like the X-Files. Totally, totally, totally. It was the show that inspired Chris Carter to write The X-Files. Amazing th- show. But before it was a series, it was a made-for-TV movie that got the biggest ratings of any made-for-TV movie ever at the time. It was where Kolchak, there's a vampire in Las Vegas, okay? And Barry Atwater played that vampire. And I've seen that movie, like, I don't know how many times since I was a kid, right? And he just has the most frightening face in that thing of, like, pretty much any vampire ever. He's terrifying. And I never made the connection that it was the same guy who plays Peace, Love, and Serac until that collage showed up on the Trek Talking page. So you kind of short-circuited my uh, 1970s re-watching mind there, dude. But uh, it just blew me away. So shameless plug for the Night Stalker. Sorry to interrupt. Had to get it in there. (laughs) I am going to have to watch that. I am unfamiliar with that. And knowing what Serac looks like in that episode of TOS, I can imagine him as a vampire, honestly. Stone-faced. Yeah, that's... It was uh, one of the innovative TV movies from that period. I'd be happy to loan it to you. All right. I'll uh, I'll be over after the show. Thanks, Paul. Sweet. Bring, <laughs> bring, that, uh, bring that scotch with you, if you would. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, carrying on with our remembrances week, uh, this week, excuse me, uh, we're also saying, also saying happy birthday to uh, actress Yvonne Craig, and that is definitely a name that should uh, – tickle your fancy and and make your radar go up because she of course played marta uh the beautiful orion in tos's episode whom gods destroy but that of course is not what she is most well known for and she in fact i had no idea that 
the Orion that I eventually saw in Star Trek was this same person that I had already been following for years as a kid in reruns at three o'clock in the afternoon uh, every weekday. Uh, because, of course, Yvonne Craig is most famously known as Batgirl from the original Batman television uh, series. And I just, I, I have to tell you, uh, as a kid, huge crush on Batgirl, huge crush on Batgirl. Holy Yvonne. puberty, Batman! <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, <laughs> like, it just hit me at exactly the right time in my life, and I was like, ooh, Batgirl. <laughs> And then, of course, uh, Yvonne Craig just plays that amazing character, Marta. Uh, she's also a ballerina, you know, so all that dance stuff that she does there, I mean, that's all legit. She knows what she knows what's up. Um, and uh, she's just amazing that episode. Did you know that she was also actually considered for the role of Vina uh, in The Cage, uh, which would eventually, of course, go to Susan Oliver? Uh, so happy birthday to Yvonne Joyce Craig. We're also saying happy birthday this week to actor Liam Sullivan. Uh, Liam Sullivan in Star Trek plays Parm in TOS's episode, Plato's Stepchildren. Um, and uh, he has fairly short credits here, but uh, it does say he co-starred with Gary Lockwood in 1962's The Magic Sword. Haven't seen that movie, but uh, happy birthday to Liam Sullivan. We're also saying happy birthday this week to actor Eric Holland who played a core in TOS's episode, Wink of an Eye. Um, great episode. I, I, I love that one, too. It's not in my top five, but it's, it's right up there in the top 20 for sure. Uh, and he was all over the place in television uh, back in the 60s and 70s. We're talking uh, MacGyver, I mean, 80s. Uh, he was even, like, into the 90s, West Wing and, uh, you know, the original Wonder Woman. Uh, so actor who was prolific uh, in his time. Eric Holland would have had a birthday this week. We're also saying happy birthday to actress Elizabeth Rogers, who played Lieutenant Palmer in TOS's episodes The Doomsday Machine and Way to Eden. Um, she was also the voice of the companion in the episode Metamorphosis. So happy birthday to Elizabeth Rogers. And our final remembrance this week goes out to Andreas Katsulas, who, of course, is known most famously as Commander Tomalak, the Romulan uh, from TNG, uh, just multiple episodes. Uh, what a great character. He also played um, <clears throat> uh, Viz the Vizian captor, uh, Captain Drenik uh, in the episode Cogenitor. Um, and what's kind of funny about Tomalak, I always wondered why I sort of remembered him in a certain way, and it's because that's the way it was. Uh, out of his four appearances as Tomalak, he actually appeared on a view screen in three of them. And he actually once commented, I've got this great quote here, it says, I felt much more comfortable when he was an incredible giant on a screen, just a face. Suddenly, when I had to account for everything else, I didn't feel support and nothing was supporting what I was doing. I was happy not to recur unless it would have gone back to a screen character. So he really enjoyed that sort of giant face on a screen, uh, imposing nature of Tomalak. And I have to say, uh, what a great Romulan. So Great actor, uh, man. He was awesome. Yeah, yeah, he was great. Uh, Babylon 5? Babylon yeah. 5 is Ambassador Chakar. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And recently, so, uh, since I've been home on my, my sabbatical, I watched Communion. 
and he was in communion uh, as well. I was surprised when I saw him pop up in communion. So he's yeah, all with walking, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with yeah with Christopher Walken. That's right. He's his, he's his friend. They go up to the cabin, and that's where the aliens show up. And he's he's there when the aliens show up. So yeah, I, I was like, wow, that's Tomalak. <laughs> That's totally yeah, he's awesome. a great he's a great dude, man. Done a ton of really good uh, good work. Really, uh, he was even in the Fugitive with Harrison Ford. That guy, he's been around forever. He was. Yep. He was uh, I remember him. My dad used to watch The Equalizer back in the day, and he was on an episode of The Equalizer too. Uh, so yeah, uh, happy birthday to him. So uh, that is it for our remembrances this week, folks. So uh, Charles, I shall pass the torch on to you. Well, with three of us, we don't have many. Uh, current birthdays. I'll get a few in. Brenda McKee played Reven in TNG's Justice, an early TNG episode. I think I looked on the list and it was like about the eighth episode in season one. This was one on almost a gym. Shouldn't you have given this to Eric? I looked up, no, I still get her. Eve H. Renner played Eulen Inad in TNG's Violation, and Jim missed this one. Also played Jorah Morrell in Boys Remember. Happy 95th birthday, Eve. Woohoo. I awesome. wonder if she'll make the century mark. Fingers crossed. And then I got one more. Eaton Muscat. And you're like, who? Eaton played Ensign Haddon in Strange New Worlds Episode 1. He was part of the three-member crew on the Archer who got captured. So brand new Star Trek alumni joining us. Paul, what about your birthday? All right. We got a few good ones here, Charles. First of all, happy birthday to Bahia Watson, who played on Star Trek Discovery. She was in a series of episodes, uh, May Ahern, as an adult. Uh, that was the character who was Tilly's friend from, I believe it was junior high school. And... Uh, uh, we end up seeing her in the series of flashbacks, the way that it was presented. But uh, as an adult, uh, she was uh, portrayed by Ms. Watson. So fantastic work there. Now, and, a couple and Paul and Paul, where else does Bahia show up? In one of your favorite shows? Do you know? On one of my favorite shows that we talked Mr. about Spock. last week. That's also uh, science fiction based. Oh, you must be talking about The Expanse. Yes. 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 Well, you know, I'm just so focused on Star Trek lately, Eric. It's hard to remember other franchises. Oh, but that's such but a good show. But I, I will try to remember back then, but uh, <laughs> um, I can imagine her on there. I have to admit the fact I haven't watched a single episode of Expanse yet. Mm-hmm. I've read about three and a half books. Just haven't watched an episode yet. Yeah, the, I, I really just, if you're, you're thinking about watching it, I, what I always tell people with the first season is hang in there, right? Sometimes the first season just seems like it's really all over the place, and you're like, when is this going to come together? And 
and it, it can be oh, sometimes a little uh, a little tough. Hang yeah, in there because once you get to season two, it's, it's on fire. In. Yeah, but if it ties in with the books, the books were a little bit out of, uh, in multiple directions anyway. So well, you'll probably be very happy then. I think you'll really dig it. But by season two, you'll never stop watching. It's so great. Another happy birthday, cruising on down the road here. Now, a couple weeks ago. We were lucky enough to have one of the uh, mysterious visiting Vulcans as a guest star on our Trek Talking to uh, Cadet show on Monday, and he played Vulcan number one, right? But what about Vulcan number two? Who played Vulcan number two? How come Vulcan number two didn't get any exciting kudos? Well, we're here to do it tonight, my friend, actress Juti Tiu, who played uh, Vulcan number two in that episode a former miss illinois if i remember correctly so definitely somebody that we should be paying attention to as her acting career continues to blossom so happy birthday to you also happy birthday to somebody who is going to become i suspect a enduring star of the uh, trek universe and that actress is the wonderful Riley Alazarugui. Ala, sorry, Alazragui. Please excuse my mispronunciation there, Riley. Happy birthday to you. Who is this actress? Well, she is the voice of Rock Talk on Prodigy and does Woo-hoo. a fantastic job on that show. I, I am always saying that uh, I was slow to come around at first to Prodigy, and I always like to admit it when I'm wrong, but that show kicks all kinds of butt. Prodigy is awesome, and to and no I small believe, degree. I think she's the youngest Star Trek actress regular that we've ever seen in Star Trek. Will we yeah, she's like 11, in? right? I think she's just a, yeah, she's I was a, a say, very young she's, actress. She's like 11. Oh, very, she's very young. On, uh, yeah, she's not. She's oh, in competition 11? with uh, one girl from Voyager. Well, there oh, yeah. you go. But at least as far as current actors go, I think she's probably mm-hmm. kind of got it. Yep. Right? But yeah. she's great. And uh, and Prodigy is great. Really, really interesting stuff. If you have not checked it out yet, uh, don't make the mistake I did and be too late to the program, uh, especially given the line of action figures coming out this fall. Oh, my goodness. They look amazing. Playmates toys, but uh, happy birthday, Riley, and a final happy birthday for me to actress Jennifer Nash, who is famous for being on the Star Trek Next Generation episode, The Inner Light, consistently ranked as one of the top episodes of that franchise, where she played Maribor, who was daughter to the character that uh, Picard played in uh, his... uh, time in the uh, Rizikian I'm probably mispronouncing that wrong because I don't have notes in front of me on it bad Paul Carson bad but uh, she was the daughter of Cayman who was Picard and Aline and sister of Bataille uh, Resic that's what I'm trying to say she was the uh, uh, on the that inner world that Picard visited of the planet Catan in the village of Resic so uh, happy birthday Jennifer Nash, and to all of you other uh, wonderful actors and actresses, looks like I got all actresses this week. So no actors, all actresses. Though, as they say on the Oscars, all actors are actors, really, regardless, right? That's how you should really refer to them, at least in the SAG Awards. So (laughs) there we go. Meanwhile, I'm passing the mic back over to you, Jim. Well, I don't have 
that many either, only three, and unfortunately, no Klingon. Uh, I dug and I dug and I dug and I couldn't find any Klingon, so no Klingons this week. First of all, I want to say happy birthday to to, <clears throat> to Bill Smitrovich, who played Michael Webb on DS9's Past Tense Part One and Part Two. He was in the Web or in the Bell Riots, and uh, unfortunately, he didn't make it. So happy birthday to Bill. We also want to wish. Alexandria M. Selling, a happy birthday, who played Talia in Enterprises, the North Star. And the last one on my list is Sean Whalen, who played Zumas in Enterprises episode, Canamar. And that wraps up our birthdays for this week, guys. But don't worry. We have convention calendar coming right up. And uh, we heard, we heard uh, Burnham's Island by our very own Eric. And I mentioned faith that you'll call so i'm going to play us in the commercial with eric's first foray into theme songs and this is faith that you'll call it's been a long road getting from there to here it's been a long time but your time is finally here you can feel the change in your thoughts right now nothing's in your way and they're not gonna hold you down no more No, they're not gonna hold you down Cause we've got faith that you'll call We wanna hear what you have to say We've got faith to believe In just talking today You've got faith in your fingers All you gotta do is sound out You can reach us right now we got faith, we got faith, faith that you call. And we're back, and I got to say, Eric, I like Burnham's Island much, much better. Um, yeah, well, you're working well. with better material in general there. <laughs> <laughs> so we've heard them both, Burnham's Island yep. and Faith That You'll Call. And who knows, maybe we'll come up with another one for Eric to do sometime down the road. But right now, we only have two. And now it's time for convention, 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 convention. Calendar, 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 calendar. And Eric, why don't you get us started off with our convention calendar for this week's podcast? Absolutely, Jim. We're going back to my old stomping grounds here at the Fan Expo Chicago, July 7th through the 10th at the Donald E. Stevenson Convention Center in Rosemont, Illinois. And I have not been to the Donald E. Stevenson Convention Center, but I have been to the Rosemont Horizon Many, many times, I understand it has uh, a name associated with an insurance company now. Uh, great venue, cool town. You should go check out Fan Expo Chicago. We are also watching Kineticon right now, July 14th through the 17th at the Connecticut Convention Center, Hartford Marriott downtown in Hartford, Connecticut. And we are also checking out in that lower southeast corner of the country, MetroCon July 15th through the 17th at Tampa Convention Center in Tampa, Florida. Paul, what's on your list? 
Well, friends, if some mischievous transporter chief just decides on a whim to beam you down in the middle of Winston-Salem, North Carolina, you should grab your tricorder on July 24th and head on over to Congregate 2022 in Winston-Salem's fabulous Marriott facility. You will have an incredible time there. I have a feeling that Congregate is going to be great. We'll find out, though, in a few short weeks. That's a little bit further down the old calendar there. July 29th to 31st, it's above, below, and beyond 2022 at the Jury Plaza Hotel, Broadview version in Wichita, Kansas. So say hello to Dorothy and the Scarecrow while you're there for me. And... July 29th to 31st, rounding out the end of the month of July, it's LeakyCon, Orlando, in the Orange County Convention Center, Orange County, Orlando, Florida. So if it's still legal to go to conventions in beautiful Florida, I urge you to go to LeakyCon, where you will have an incredibly fun time. Orlando is one of those magical places where there's all kinds of fun fantasy stuff going on there, thanks to the incredible vibes issued forth from the Magic Kingdom. So who knows who you'll run into if you go there. I hear Star Wars fans and Star Trek fans co-mingle peaceably with the confines of Orlando. Oh, yes. Really? Sometimes they even uh, sire offspring together. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, what happens at LeakyCon stays at LeakyCon, friends. That's all I know. Charles, where is your compass needle pointing at, my friend? I don't know. Whoa. Whoa. Paul, but, uh, <laughs> wow. You might have a few wands what the hell? show up at LeakyCon. <laughs> You might have a few wand holders walking in LeakyCon, too. Thinking, wow. oh, was this the Leaky Cauldron? <laughs> you never know. The Leaky Cauldron. Oh, let's start off at Fan Expo Boston, August 12th to 14th. Boston Convention and, and Exhibit Center, Boston, Massachusetts. Coco Con. Chocolatey, September 2nd through 5th at the Double Tree by Hilton Hotel, Phoenix, Tempe, Tempe, Arizona. And this next one, I think they're taking over. Mm-hmm. The last one on my list is Dragon Con, September 1st through 5th. And a deep breath. Atlanta Marriott Maquis, Hyatt Regency Atlanta, Atlanta Hilton. Sheraton, Atlanta, Weston, Peachtree, all in Atlanta, Georgia. I think they're trying to take over. Five convention centers in Atlanta at the same time. And I wow. think Jim missed one in my co- – I think Jim did miss a convention in my set because it was early August. I heard it's been pushed to latter August. Jim got a, forgot about the 56-year admission coming up this year in Las Vegas. And that'll be at the, I forgot the date, at the end of August, and that'll be at the Valleys Convention Center this year. Four days. Sounds like, but, according to the interwebs, it's... What about the rest of Jim's list? Well, 
We have Rose City Comic Con September 9th through the 11th at the Oregon Convention Center. Where? Portland, Oregon. What is yeah, going on baby. In We're going, what baby. Is, wow. What is the deal with Oregon? Everything's in Oregon. I'm telling you. I got to move the there. The comic scene in this town is off the hook. You don't understand how much comic stuff happens in Portland. It's a lot. Wow. Yeah. I think I got to move here. there. The fan, the, the fan population, it's like if you're a toy collector, forget it because it's like folks are camped out in front of like every Target and Walmart when they open every morning, right? And so by the time you go in there, if you're not there at opening, you're getting nothing because they have been swooped at opening by just the locust plague of fans oh. that is Portland, so, man. It's crazy. So we know wow. what Paul's going to be when Playmates come out. Yeah, when the new <laughs> Prodigy figures. He'll have his tent yeah. right out there. I will be I will be pre-ordering on the fabulous internet to guarantee my uh, <laughs> my lack of frustration, and uh, that's that's how it's got to be these days, man. But yeah, that's a heck of a con, and uh, I sure hope that COVID is like settled down to a dull roar by then. We got till mid-September, which is pretty good, but I, I we we got to go, man. We got to represent uh, Trek talking uh, and just our own crazy enthusiasms at RC. CC, it is going to be nuts. Yeah, I, I I sent you like like what five hundred business cards. Uh, I have business cards. I have refrigerator magnets. I got all kinds yep. of good stuff. So uh, Rose stuff. City Comic Con is going to get blanketed <laughs> with Trek talking stuff. Sweet. So if, you stand, if you stand out front with your batlet, people can come up to touch it, and you can say <laughs> you can touch it, but you got to take a business card. <laughs> well, I have to tell you that I have been in my Starfleet uniform. I am most often mistaken for Commander Riker. People come up to me and they're like, "You know, you look just like William Riker." I'm like, "Yes, I know." <laughs> Are you my anxiety? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I wear the but I wear the four pips. So I can't help myself. Well, you're the captain of the Titan. Of course. There you go. I'm ladder. <clears throat> Even though I, I also kind of mix and match, I wear that TNG uniform and my Discovery badge. But I am digressing big time now. Let's get on the convention calendar. <laughs> so uh, we're also following Multiverse 2022, October 14th, 15th, and 16th at the Western Atlanta Perimeter North in Atlanta, Georgia. And the last one on my list is Astronomicon, November 4th, 5th, and 6th at the RITNN Conference Center in West Henrietta, Henrietta New Great York. Great name, man. So, Say that name again, Jim. Yeah, yeah you don't want to miss that. Astronomicon. Yeah, sounds that's interesting. awesome. Very, very, very cool. interesting. Definitely sounds like an evil Transformer for sure. <laughs> All right, guys. You waited long enough, and now it's time. We're going to talk about Strange New Worlds, Children of the Comet. But uh oh, Nurse, Nurse Chapel, get in oh. here. It's okay, buddy. Oh, God. Sorry, guys. I'm, I'm still having a little bit of COVID going on here. Uh, we're going to take you to a commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to dive right in. And we're going to take you to a commercial break with something I think familiar if you've hung around the show long enough. Base. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds. 
to seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no one has gone before. you guys recognize that song you should if you're hanging around listening for the next segment of course that's the theme song for strange new world and i have to say i'm very impressed with the music yes i am particularly the end of that theme song because they don't have that uh what was her name eric we we had her birthday not too long ago the woman who sang Star Trek. I can't remember her name. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, soprano. Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't have it on the tip of my tongue, but yes, fabulous. Me neither. Uh, well, so this, this takes place before. Instead, yep, you know ahead. what they did? Instead of the voice, you know what they did. That's what I was just getting to. There's yep. a fair. Okay. Yep. Go ahead. Yep. They, they, they didn't use the voice, but... If you listen to the end of that song, you can hear, you, you can feel the transition from that to the human voice that will, will be used on TOS. I think it's a great setup and a great transition. It's like a theremin, so, right? Isn't that what it is? It is a theremin, yep. yep. That's what I was yeah. doing. It's a theremin. You guys were, were you talking about uh, Luli Jean Norman? Is that the... Yeah, that's her. Yeah, that's her. Yeah, yeah okay. in 2005, cool. unfortunately. But she did live to be a ripe old age of 92, which is pretty sweet. That's sweet. I'll take it. Yeah. So the, the music uh, really has really impressed me so far for Strange New Worlds, particularly that, that opening theme song. It, it invokes Star Trek. Well, it's your boy. It's, it's Jeff Rousseau, man. And, you know, the thing is, is that it's got the um, what I call adventure energy to it, like um, that dun, 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 like that kind of rhythm sort of propels you through the, the credits and actually like gain, like it adds a lot of energy to that theme music. So I love that it's got, of course, the recollections and stuff. And it is a little different from previous um Star Trek themes, like when you think of Star Trek themes from the, you know, late 20th century, they're they're sort of epic. They have this kind of like Voyager is very like da 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 da, you know, and it moves really slow and kind of has this like contemplative sort of feel to it. 
This one is all adventure. It's like dun da 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 dun. Oh yeah, I'm gonna go out there yeah. and I'm gonna it's like the high discover seas. some stuff. Yeah, totally. Yeah, something. it's like yeah. you're you're you know voyaging across the high seas essentially. Yep. And that the, the way they wrap that up too, it's like when you hear it and it has those those four big crescendos that build on top of each other, right? And then it just finally just explodes like you're going to warp or or something. I'm not sure what it evokes, but it's just very climactic, if you will. And really, uh, that's a great piece of orchestration. Really, really. And, and then the little, the little recall with the theremin at the end is very nice because, of course, it it like evokes that. Oh, you know, it evokes that like soprano voice without it, it like says, replicating it. It screams late '60s, man, it which does. is what the tip of the hat is. So it's perfectly appropriate, I think. It's great, man, but. Uh, Another great choice by the team involved in this show. Now, the opening before the show starts, we have the Enterprise flying around the logo, and then it says Star Trek. Is that going to be the new logo for the Star Trek universe? Yeah. Are we going to see that before every Star Trek show from now on? Is that like the I new think logo? so. I think going forward, I think they're launching that with uh, – with this series. So we probably won't see it again on the other series until their next seasons happen with like prodigy and whatnot. But to me, it's like very similar to what they're doing with the, uh, star Wars Wars franchise over on Disney plus, they have kind of a, a a kind of, you know, universal logo, if you will, that tips its hat to everything. Stormtroopers, which they constantly update too with every series, which is kind of cool. Exactly. So I think this is it. And I think they did a great job with this. It's great. I love the diversity that's implied by the choice of the logo, too, which is great. Yeah, the big, so. the big rainbow thing behind the ship right. is so cool because of that and also because of the whole, like, rainbow warp effect from t- from the movie. I I just love yeah. all of those little colors. Nice choice. You know, not, not uh, playing to the cheap seats at all. You know, very much broad and, and putting it out there, which is great. So really, really cool. Yeah, I'm hoping that when, when now I think Prodigy is going to be the next thing we're going to see in another seven weeks when Strange New World uh, ends. I think Prodigy is next up on deck, right? Mm. No, I think the next one pretty close might be Lower Decks. It's one or the other. Mm. We're going to see them. We'll either gonna, we're either going to see Prodigy and then Lower Decks, or we're going to see Lower Decks and then Prodigy. Those are the next two that are on deck. I'm not sure what order, but those are the next two we'll see. And hopefully we will see that Star Trek logo before every Star Trek show. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great way to kind of unify the franchise. You know, say, hey, these are all under the same umbrella, which is like Paul was saying, what Star Wars is doing right now. Right. We, they definitely need that. And uh, this is a good step. So, guys, this is the part of the show, if you've listened before, if you've followed us on Facebook, we're really into the fan thing because we're fans, obviously, just like you guys. So rather than just hearing us sit around talking about what we think about Star Trek, we like to involve you guys in it as much as possible, which means our phone number is open right now. The phone lines are standing by 646-668-2433. And uh, to give us a call and tell us what you thought about Strange New World. But if you're afraid to be on the radio or you're not near a phone or you're not listening live, that's fine. Because you can go to our Facebook page at Truck Talk and, and Beyond. And every week, <coughs> every week I cough. Every week, <laughs> <laughs> 
I, uh, I asked Live you guys, radio, the people. fan. I put a post on Facebook and asked you guys, what did you think about last week's episode on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best? And we read back your responses and give your scores before we do ours to see how close we come to what you guys think. So, Eric, what did our Facebook fans think about Children of the Comet? Well, fan Steve Bellinger gave it an eight. He said, quite good. I think I'm going to like Strange New Worlds. I am an original Trekkie who does not like most of the new Trek out there. I actually didn't want to like Strange New Worlds, but gave it a chance, and I'm impressed. So thanks, Steve. Michael Morris says, a solid eight. This show feels like an updated version of what TOS was going for. Also, Great to see Cadet Uhura's story and learn more about her. Totally agree, Michael. Thank you. Wes Huntington gave it a seven. Felt like a step backwards after a great pilot. Too much like the Orville. Yes, inspired by Star Trek and not like Star Trek. The Shepherds reminded me of the Krill in the Orville. So thanks, Wes. Daniel Carey kicked it up a notch and gave it a 10 for one reason. I love how they are character building. This really gave a great view into Uhura's story. There were a lot of other great things, but this alone is worth a 10. Thanks, Daniel. April Jiu said a 10. Love this format. Episodic adventures. I love long story arc, which Discovery did well, but this is closer to TOS. Great episode and awesome Uhura backstory. Thank you, April. John McCann said another 9.5. Not perfect but almost. Top fan Jim Nelson said a 10. I think Strange New Worlds is on track to be the best Star Trek series ever made. All the other series had an unknown future, and we got acquainted with the characters as we went along. Strange New Worlds contains characters who obviously look different that display things in their personalities we're already familiar with, like O'Hara's singing or Chapel's developing interest in Spock. Mm -hmm. And nostalgia kicks in instantly. I agree, Jim. That gives us the love factor right away. Thank you. Alan Baubrick said, I give it a qualified 7.7. I'm glad they didn't portray her as a giggling, silly person this week. I felt the story bogged down at one point. Number one so far needs work. At the end of the episode, it was a little better, but she doesn't exude a first officer vibe, at least for me. I like the Enar engineer. The helms person is growing on me. Is it just me, or does Sam Kirk give anyone a Guy Fleegman, Sam Rockwell, and Galaxy Quest vibe? Hmm, Alan, hadn't heard that one before, but I like where you're going. Thanks for your comments. Karen Gar gave it a 9.5. Delivery could have used a little work, but the character interactions, intelligent exposition, etc., and especially how they highlight something we've always known and appreciated about Uhura was just so freaking well done. Interactions feel authentic, even if we're still at the nervous social stage. A dialogue is perfectly delivered, and no one can tell me this show, gorgeous, three exclamation points. Totally agree, Karen. And finally, top fan Tom Patrick gave it an eight. I was confused by Spock suddenly in a shuttle and doing what? In the asteroid? Was he heating it? Pushing it somehow from the inside? I got lost there. But the character of Uhura more than made up for it. 
we finally, after 50 years, learned about her personal life, and she was able to showcase her unique talents and specialties. So, guys, uh, we averaged that all out, and we came up with a Trek Talking fan score on this episode of 8.8. So that is a pretty respectable score, a full point below uh, what the fans rated the premiere, uh, which was a an astounding 9.8. I don't think we've ever seen that for anything in the franchise except maybe First Contact, if I go back and look, uh, if I found the numbers. So actually, that's a 9.7. So there you go. So the premiere was 9.8. Children of the Comet, 8.8. Still very respectable. And some very nice and detailed comments from our fans. So thank you guys so much. It's a pleasure to share your comments on the air. <laughs> So the fans gave it an 8.8, and we're going to find out what we thought about it. We're going to do things a little bit differently this week uh, from now on, I think, because just because. So uh, when we come back from this break, we're going to dive right in. Trek Talking, all things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. And we're back and we're talking about Strange New Worlds, Children of the Comet, which is episode two of season one. And David... How you doing, buddy? Uh, those donuts? I'm uh, adopting donuts. Oh, you're all done? <laughs> Were they good? Did you enjoy them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what what kind did you have? It was an apple cider fritter. Oh, Ooh. my favorite. Oh, wow. So good. And followed it up with some If you ever heard of a company called Blue Star Donuts, that's where it came from. Uh, Blue Star, one of the great donut places in Portland. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. So, David, uh, you're you're up first, and uh, what I've decided to do, have a little bit of fun with this thing, is um, I watch the episode up teen time, and then I'll pull out five scenes that I think each one of my uh, co-hosts might find something interesting to talk about in that particular scene. And what this does is this keeps you guys on your toes. So you, you don't know exactly what you're going to have to talk about, which keeps things, you know, improv, which is great. It gives our listeners an opportunity to hear some sound bites from this particular episode, if they haven't seen it. And it gives us an opportunity to just talk about different things without just me having to, run off with diarrhea of the mouth. So that's that's what we're going to do. And you, my friend David, get the first clip. Are you ready? Um, I've entitled this clip, Languages. What's that you're humming, Cadet? Sorry, bad habit. Uh, it's an old folk song from my village in Kenya. I've visited Lake Simbinayama several times. It is achingly beautiful there. I grew up just a few miles away. Really? You know, the Enterprise only gets a handful of cadets a year from Starfleet. you got to be pretty impressive to make the cut. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I hear you speak 12 languages. Uh, 37. Okay, wow. 
we have 22 native languages. I found early that if I wanted to be understood, it's best to communicate in someone's own tongue. So I learned them. Easy as that. For me, sir, yes. So, David, the first thing uh, setting up this scene is they're at a dinner party with the captain, and the captain's making barbecued ribs, which, which I found interesting. For some reason, I thought that everybody was like vegans in the future. I, I didn't know they still ate meat. So I found that interesting. The fact that the captain was actually cooking, uh, which isn't the first time we saw him cooking in his cabin in the first episode. He's not using a replicator. Uh, he's cooking everything by hand and Hemmer's chopping up the, the carrots and things. So there he's doing things old school, which says a lot about the captain's personality but in this particular clip, we're centering on Ahura. And what, what did you think about this interaction and about Ahura and what she said? Well, I think it was a great way to introduce not only a legendary character, but a um, just a character in general for a background story that is um, on Ahura, who we all apparently never knew what had happened back in the day when she had joined Starfleet. And since this is what she had mentioned over and over was her first mission, I think it was a great way of opening up her backstory and um, letting everybody know of how, um, how much potential she has going forward. And I hope they really get into not, a, not just her, but all the characters eventually to uh, see how they progress as it gets closer and closer to the TOS. I actually thought it was really good. I, I really enjoyed that scene, and overall, the episodes were awesome. So, yeah, that's my take on it. Yeah, I thought it was Ohura. Um, now, I, I don't want TOS people to start sending hate mail and whatnot, uh, but I feel that Ohura, she was never really like none of the characters really on TOS were developed. One of our fans mentioned this in the comments of Eric read in this particular episode, we learn more about Ohura in five minutes than we did in 55 years. And to me, that's great. You know, uh, we learn, you know, that she ran away and joined Starfleet. Uh, she was living with her grandmother who was in Starfleet and her grandmother, you know, talks stories about Starfleet. So Ohura joined Starfleet. We learned that her parents taught at, uh, the University of Kenya, and both her parents and her brother died in a shuttle crash. So we learn more about Uhura at this dinner uh, to just fill in the backstory of this awesome legendary character. And like Pike said, you know, they only get a few cadets every year and you have to be good. And I believe that at Spock that says there were thousands and Uhura was chosen. So we know that she's good. We know that she's the best of the best. It's like Top Gun, you know. She she mm -hmm. she made it, and she's got to be good to be there. And they never really told you just how good she really is. Now J.J. Abrams, I think, did a good job of of building Ahura in the Kelvin Universe movies, where you know she's a badass, she kicks ass, and she speaks all these languages, and you know you know we got an idea of how good she was in those movies. But up to that point, we didn't really know much about her until this particular scene. 
Uh, anybody else want to add anything about this scene yeah. before we move on? Eric? Let me do a little bit. Let me do a jump in a little bit. Prior to this scene, we get something that we occasionally get, which I think was unique in this episode. You have an opening log. Whose opening log was it? It was a horror. The captain was number one. It was a horror. A horror's log. So I like the fact we started off with her in that. And I like how it's like, oh, I got to be in my dress uniform. She walks up the pilot and she's up in casual dress like, okay, this isn't a formal event. I should go change. Nope, you're going to be late for the party. Okay, there's a little bit of hazing in there. But that's what happens to cadets. Cadets do get that hazing. I remember an occasion in the Navy. It wasn't as much hazing my first time on ship, but we had a special hazing event the first time anybody passed over the international date line. <laughs> there's a big event in there, and there's some, there's some real hazing in there, and that's tradition. So I like the fact that it's like, oh, there's an enterprise bingo for get Okay, yeah, there is a joke that cadets do get hazing, but they do get – oh, I need to do – so I need to do stuff on the ship. Oh, I'm trying to work on my bingo card and get those little things done. I think it really gave us a good perspective, not only of her, but it gave us a great perspective of a new cadet who's not even gotten to Ensign yet and what their life is like on ship and missions. Mm-hmm. I don't think few cadets are probably real confident and ready to be perfect on their first mission. Most of them, most people are going to be a little hesitant. And she was showing what a real cadet is going through. That is, I like that. Yeah, that's an excellent point, Charles. And I love the, the interaction with her and Spock and Spock attempting to give her pep talks, you know, and he gives her the first one and it sort of fails. And then, and then he comes around and he gives her the second one. And she's like, yes, that one was better. So there's a lot of character development here. One of the things I really appreciated specific to her language stuff is that, uh, you know, when she does go to that uh, dinner party, which doesn't that just feel, first of all, like something like if you were to actually hang out with Anson Mount, you'd probably show up at his house and that is exactly what you'd get. You'd get him in his apron, like at the barbecue, making the food. And as Sign me up. It, I'm there. Like, I'm, yeah, oh, yeah, sign me right up. <laughs> it sounds like a blast. <laughs> but when she's at that party, um, you know, she's talking to Hemmer and, and uh, Spock. I love the fact that she very casually just sort of greets them or like, or says something to them both in their native languages, just one right after the other, boom, in passing, like it's no big deal. Um, So not only does she say she speaks 37 languages, but she very casually busts out a couple of like, you know, Federation languages right there. uh, and, And you can tell by the performances of the actors that it takes them aback, right? They're like, oh man, somebody just spoke to me in my native language. And it's the same thing in real life. Like if you 
if you're a, a a person who typically interacts with somebody in English, for example, but you interact with somebody whose native language is Spanish, and all of a sudden you greet them in Spanish or you say something to them in Spanish, that there's like a special connection that happens at that point. And I feel like this is one of those same things where Uhura forms a special mm. connection with both Hammer and Spock. In fact, remember after she greets Hammer in his language, he says, I like her, you know, something like that. So it's yeah. like this language connection is a very strong connection. So yeah, that's I cool. See, I can see what like propels her through Starfleet, even though she's unsure of herself it's this special power she has that people are just like, hey, I want to hang out with you. You know what's up. So, yeah. I got, I got something to add to that, actually, the whole language thing. I mean, if she was speaking to them in languages, wouldn't the translator pick it up and just back into English or something? I don't know. That whole well, thing there's a little bit of, <laughs> to me. Well, to me, there's I, some it, questions it, about how the exactly the translator works. Like, I feel like it – it's on sometimes and it's off sometimes and you know. Okay. <laughs> well, I like think <laughs> I think that in in techno babble terms, mm-hmm. I think that in TOS and in Strange New Worlds, they don't have the dermal trans the uh, translators yet, and they're relying on the audio translator like they would have on the bridge. I don't think they walk around with the dermal translators like the Fringi have on Deep Space Nine that that translates everything. Wow, that would be my there. take on it. Right. Yeah. So that you, would be my you have to be on the bridge and things are only automatically translated on the bridge. That, that would be my take. I mean, I don't know for a fact, but my yeah. Star Trek brain, that's what my Star Trek brain is telling me. Um, you know, cause on deep space nine, they make it abundantly obvious. They tell you they have trans, they have translators installed under their skin that translate every language for them into their language. Okay, that's cool, but this is a little bit before that, so that's my assumption. So, and I'm sticking to it. So, Eric, <laughs> you ready for the next one? Uh, sure. You're up next. Yeah. All right, I, I'm. I've entitled this soundbite. What a coincidence. Kibet, the case seems to be reacting to your voice. Music. It responds to music. Anything? Nothing from the landing party, but I found a possible signal coming from the comet itself. What kind of signal? Computer, identify this song. Vamovamba, a traditional song from Earth, originating in Kenya. That cannot be a coincidence. All right, Charles, uh, Eric, what do you think? Ooh, man, that's so great. Uh, I mean, I think the most obvious parallel that any good sci-fi fan kind of feels here and can't help but feel um, are connections to Close Encounters of the Third Kind and that, that melody that becomes the key to connecting with the aliens that are out there. And 
even the melody they choose has some of the same intervals here. So you hear Uhura sing this, and it's not the Close Encounters melody, but it's a little evocative of it uh, to me. And but I'm not distracted by that. I don't, you know, it doesn't pull me out of the moment because first of all, uh, the singing itself is is absolutely beautiful, very crystal clear, very in tune. Like from a musician standpoint, it is. Um, is spot on. And, and then of course it becomes the key to communicating with what's going on inside the comet, which um, is a, is a callback to, I think several iterations of science fiction and Star Trek. I mean, most recently we're talking about the, um, the season wrap uh, of season four of discovery, which of course was all based on um, communicating with aliens in a, in a foreign way that involved uh, lights and that sort of thing. Here we get the audio connection. And, and what better way to show how amazing Uhura is than to connect not only the linguistic part of her skill set, but the, the musical part of her skill set. So I just really like that. I love that they, that, that, uh, Pike gets to flex just a little bit and say, oh yeah, I've been to that region of Kenya a bunch. It's really beautiful. Like that, that shows him as a, um, yeah, he's the white guy running the, the ship, but he is very connected to the cultures and the people around him. And, um, you know, I think that shows up again at the end of the episode when he's calling out all the people that he's thinking about, but uh, just, just fantastic to me and I love of course the musical connection I know why I got this one <laughs> and uh, and I love the connection back to uh, old school sci-fi with the, the close encounters thing so yeah great scene and the, I loved it as the kind of core of how they figure out how to get out of their jam in this episode and we all know that Uhura she sang several times through Star Trek in fact she did a fan dance Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, my all-time favorite movie. And so the fact that they're establishing that early, I think it just reinforces that strength that that this character has, which is great. Yeah, the fan dance is pretty pretty famous for her. The one that I always think back to, and I'm sorry I'm not going to be able to pull the name of the episode out right now, um, but it's the one, is it Alana Troyes maybe, where she is singing along with Spock while he plays his lyre, his Vulcan lyre. And that to me was just so special because yeah. it, you get him playing his cool instrument, which is an alien thing. You get her voice and she's, it's like a mashup, right? She doesn't sing in Vulcan or anything like that. She's like singing Vulcan stuff, but like with English words and I don't know just really like that scene. Um, and so, so the fact that they've kind of recalled that, that singing prowess with this new Uhura character is very special for me. It's a less adventurous Uhura. You know, you, you're right. The J.J. Abrams one is like action adventure Uhura, you know? This to me is like, um, we get to really develop this character and show why she becomes the person that we see in TOS Uhura. I love it. I love it. You guys also notice the sound, the voice for the computer. The voice for the computer. Yeah, when no. uh, Pike no. says uh, "computer," what's the name of the song and the the voice pattern that came over the speaker, uh, the speakers. 
<clears throat> Did it sound very similar to um, the original voice for the computer, for like TNG? Uh, no, it was not Major Barrett. It, was a it wasn't Major. Voice. It was not her. Uh, I'm not sure who oh. it was. I haven't looked that up, but it, it was not Major Barrett. It was definitely a different voice. Yeah. Because it sounds very awfully familiar. I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, Paul, are you ready to take the center seat? Yeah. You ready for your challenge? Hold on, Jim. Uh-oh. Hold on, Jim. You didn't ask your tra- anybody else. As I put, I put the quote in for the second time, one of the immediate things I thought about when they started to do this one was the quote, the power of mad people. Reminding me back to Philly when they started using math and music for communications. We did a little bit in discovery. But those of us that got into the novels, if you go back to Way of the Stars, that was one of her things that she studied in school and was able to use is using math to communicate and in the music. And it's a funny scene seeing her sitting there seeing old McDonald, a group of a group of strange aliens, and they're backing her up and following her right along because they don't have any they don't have any translators. So I can sit there right in and have a great storyline in there. <clears throat> so it reminded me a little bit of Tilly. But really, the fact that, like, okay, we don't have, there's not always standard languages. Let's find different ways that are non-standard languages, but there's still ways that we can communicate with aliens. The translator won't do everything. I agree completely. And, uh, Paul, you ready? You ready to take the center seat, buddy? Make it so, my friend. Okay, we're going to swing the spotlight right over to Portland. We're going to shine it up, Paul. And here's your clip. It's a clip entitled, well, that I entitled, The Shepherds. Hail them on screen. This is Captain Christopher Pike of the Federation Starship Enterprise. Who are you and why are you attacking our vessel? We are the Shepherds. Really? Tell the Universal Translators processing it. We escort the Hanit. The Comet. The Hanit is far more than a Comet. The Hanit is one of the ancient arbiters of life. Okay. If you tamper with it again, we will not hesitate to destroy you. All right, Paul. What do you think about the shepherds and them defending uh, the comet of life? Well, you know, I thought they were handled really well. I, this is really one of our first introductions to a unique, new to this uh, series, alien species on here. And I thought they did a great job with it um, from two different uh, aspects, Jim. I think uh, in terms of like the writing and the story, it's great because it, they're running into something it, it this is basically, it's like a test of not only their problem solving and their ability, but it's a test of their ability to be diplomatic, right? How do you solve a problem when the other people that you are working 
you know, encountering have a very different ethos than you do, right? They see things very differently. They don't identify things like you do. They don't believe things the same way that you do. And so I think right now in particular, that's a pretty important theme to be, uh, to be working at. And also in this case as well, for those that you are discovering are infinitely stronger and more powerful than you are. They can outshoot you and they can outrun you and they're it's generally more powerful. So it's a little humbling, but you have to be uh, perhaps a little bit more authentic in terms of dealing with them. And I liked the, the way they portrayed the captain of the shepherd's ship, just because he's not, you know, it's real, given the fact that, yes, it's almost like a quasi-religious uh, society that they are depicting, right? But, but they don't portray that as like hokey or that he's just purely powered by dogma. Uh, the captain seems very intelligent, very able to express himself and very firm in his convictions. And I think that comes across really, really well. It was really interesting, right? In terms of that whole dynamic. And he's, you know, certainly willing to listen, but he's not an un completely unreasonable jump up and down guy either. His first, one of the first things he says to Pike is, I assume you are a reasonable man, right? Which is kind of setting the stage for their discourse going forward. So I thought it was really well done. And, uh, and the other reason I think it was really well done is, again, this is our first look at a unique new alien species, really. It's unique to Strange New Worlds. And I thought that they depicted him wonderfully. Um, if you haven't had a chance to look at it yet on the, uh, the videos for the Ready Room that Will Wheaton does, right? They go behind the scenes and they show how this particular alien was executed. And they really tried to shy away from any computer-generated stuff on here, right? Uh, the bulk of what they did involves an actor, a guy named Tom Marriott, who plays the, uh, the captain of that ship. And what they did with him is they put him in a series of makeup appliances, right? Now, when you see the jaw and his mouth move, that's Tom Marriott, right? That's, his, that's him speaking and acting. But the upper half of his face and his head and the eyes is a sophisticated makeup appliance, right? That's powered by like hydraulic cables, kind of the kind of thing Carlo Rambaldi used to do for like, you were mentioning Close Encounters earlier, Eric, that kind of thing, where it's a really elaborate makeup piece that he's wearing on there. But he is acting. It's a performance. And you get that feeling of reality that comes from having something tangible as a, uh, a practical effect on the set, right? Even though you're looking at him on a video screen, right, on the main viewer, he comes across really uh, impactfully, and the eyes are, are very strong. And it just, it really worked really, really well. I was like, that's a unique new alien, and I like that. I thought that was way more effective than half the alien species that we saw uh, in the, the JJ movies, or some of the ones we, we started to really run into, too many variations of the crinkly forehead on like Deep Space Nine, right? I mean, this is basically using modern tech for effects technology, but doing it kind of embracing the idea of the old school and the, and the, physical, uh, the physical depiction of having a, an actor be first and foremost where the character comes from. It changes things and it makes it a lot more compelling so kudos to you, Tom Marriott, if you're out there, and uh, to everybody else behind the scenes on here. Uh, Well-written and really well-executed. So I thought this was a great uh, first, uh, first contact with an alien species on, uh, on uh, track, really. So very, very unique. I, much, you know, I, I 
say first alien. I mean, the aliens we saw in the premiere were really just kind of variations of that, you know, humanoid type thing. This is an alien, you know, is what I'm trying to convey. A, a much yeah, different kind Paul, of alien. Paul, I think that a lot of that is not only the look of him and the way that he was shot from a video standpoint, like you, you sort of get this fuzzy video of him, but also it's his actual syntax when he speaks too, right? Like you, you when it, it's very matter of fact, and in fact, there's a comment by one of the people on the bridge about, well, that's how the universal translator is translating what he's saying, you know, shepherd. Yeah. Um, so it, uh, to me, that was part of the thing that made them alien was that the universal translator was literally just kind of translating almost like um, simpler, more fundamental phrases versus something that was uh, nuanced, which you might get if you were actually speaking the same language, you know? And, right. And it's looking for like a, a, a spoken equivalent, right? Right. Like right. Shepherd is its label, right? That's what it Correct. finds. And it pulls and that in out. TNG, when a Romulan speaks Romulan, it sounds exactly like English, right? It, ex- it like word for word sounds like the syntax is perfect. The grammar is perfect. The, the reference, like the cultural references are perfect. Um, here you get an alien that doesn't even have the same cultural same like common cultural frame of reference, right? Like everything about his race's existence has to do with the maintenance of this thing that's flying through space. And that is just not something that Pike can like immediately grasp. It takes him a minute to kind of get yeah. there. I really, like. I, I really think that the writing supports that a lot there too, just because at the end, right? When things are resolved and that we've kind of found consensus and whatnot, it's like the captain doesn't say, and so we will part as friends. He's like, and so we will not part as enemies. Enemies, right? right. He <laughs> doesn't really suddenly become this softer, gentler guy. It's more of like a, he's still very much a formidable person. You come on there. And my one thing is that I hope they can stay away from in the writing is, is to have Pike's first reaction be kind of valley girl like that, like where he just goes, really? Like, you know, it's too contemporary, guys. That's a way it's it's anachronistic to have those kind of contemporary references, especially for your your main, you know, competent commanding officer to have him be talking like that to go. Yeah. Really? It's just too contemporary. So let's, let's shy away from the the UPN uh, generation lingo if we can and make it make him more you know, mature if we can. I think everyone he can be likable and contemporary and funny, but let's not have it be that colloquial. I don't think that works yeah, out so and well. It's, but. And it seems immediately dismissive too when he says yeah. stuff like that. So, yeah. So I, I know they're trying to appeal to a broad audience and that's, that's a hallmark of Akiva Goldman's writing, right? He always right. likes to make things super contemporary. Like he's writing the way people talk at your local Starbucks, right? He wants it to be really accessible to the young audience, but sometimes dude, you got to pull back a little bit on that thing. But, you know, I mean, uh, Chapel's a good example of that right now. She talks super contemporary, all right? So it doesn't seem like there's the distance of future uh, idioms that's come in there at all, uh, where you kind of have them speak in a little bit more of a a generic way. Not generic, but just more of a a neutral way. So it's just a little too – it's going to – my point is, you watch this in 10 years, 15 years down the road, the captain's saying, really? That's going to seem really dated. You know, which which is a mistake. They always were able to avoid that on Next Gen, but I know on the uh, on the Paramount Plus series they seem to embrace, and I think that's a Kiva 
Akiva's hand at the tiller there. So we'll see. You get other writers in there, hopefully not so much. But that is the tiniest of quibbles, pals. I mean, I would rate this episode a 10 just because of all the components coming together. And, you know, my rating would come holding it up against everything else I've seen on Paramount Plus since they have started doing Star Trek, right? That's what I would grade you against, right? And so I give it a 10 for that. I want to see more new uh, exciting aliens. Um, Super anxious to get uh, to know Mr. Hemmer better. I think uh, speaking of aliens, he's going to be fascinating to spend some time with. So hopefully more of that soon, but uh, uh, just great stuff. Um, I'm excited for where they went, but Go find that video on this. You can find it on the uh, uh, any of those Will Wheaton videos from last week uh, on Ready Room, and you can see the behind-the-scenes stuff. It's awesome. Really, really cool how they put this together. Well, speaking, that's a great segue, because speaking of Hammer, guess what, Charles? The spotlight is swinging to you, and that means it's Hammer time. Oh, uh... Can I help? No. You have offended Hammer, our new chief engineer. No offense intended. I was raised to offer help to anyone with a sensory impairment. Nothing for her again. Sir? Impaired. A human in my condition might consider themselves impaired. Hammer may not be able to see, but his other senses compensate. Compensate? They are superior. Uh, I've read that, among many things, the Enar have a form of precognitive ability. I knew you were going to ask that. Because you sensed my question before I asked it? Because everyone always asks that. Right. You telegraphed your throw telepathically. As was my intention to illustrate. This is a hazing thing, isn't it? You guys are screwing around? I think I need a drink. I like her. Indeed. All right, Charles. So this is our introduction to our new chief engineer, Hammer. And obviously, he's not an Andorian. He's an Enar. So uh, what do you want to say? What, what do you think about this scene? And what do you think about Hammer? I've seen a sneak peek into this week, and I gather we're going to see a little more of Hammer. He's a character I definitely want to learn more about. He's somebody we, he's a species we don't know a lot about. And they seem to be doing a good job of kind of shaping him out in this scene. But kind of making it like, okay, I think it was a question of, was he just hazing for her, or was that just how he acts? And I'd be interested to see what kind of personality he has. But I think he's going to be an interesting character I want to see more building on him. I definitely want to see more building on him. What makes him who he is? Yes, we have had one of the visually impaired Star Trek members. 
And I think it would be interesting to see how he used his abilities because he wasn't truly blind, but he could see with help to the spectrum how Hammer uses his ability to move around and to do his task. So I look forward to seeing what they do with this character. He's going to be an interesting character. I'm almost seeing this character, if, if they do just enough for him, I could picture a novel coming out trying to explain the backstory. What do you think? Well, I just watched the episode. Like I said, I've been home with COVID, so I've been watching lots and lots of Star Trek. And I just watched the Enterprise episode, the Enar. And in there, Shran, in that episode, Shran says that the Enar were considered a myth and that they weren't real. They were like Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster. And it wasn't until 50 years ago when they discovered an Enar colony and they became a reality. So it was, you know, it wasn't too, too long ago that the Enars were discovered on Andoria. And uh, they're all blind and they all have a telepathic ability to read your mind, kind of like the Telosians did. Uh, only they will not enter your mind without your permission. That's what the head Enar tells Shran. Uh, regular Andorians don't have that ability, but the Enar do. And uh, they can read your mind, read your thoughts, if you allow them to. Uh, whether or not uh, they will violate that, I, I don't know. It's not made explicit in that episode, but they do have that ability, which is why I think when Spock throws the carrot and he says, and Hemar catches it, he says, well, you... You, you, you telepathically sent your, your throw, and that's because he can communicate telepathically with Spock, which I think is really cool. And I hope they do build upon that at a later date. And yeah, I have uh, one. Well, yeah. oh, sorry, can I just say one thing about that, Jim? So I was just going to say, so regarding these Enar, um, like you said, we don't know a ton about them. Everything we know from Enterprise and um, we we know that not only do they have these sort of telepathic abilities, but they have a a precognitive ability, right? Because the 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 whole storyline with them in Enterprise was that they were using this race of people to control these uh, Romulan drone ships that um, that were able to evade and shoot and that kind of stuff more effectively than any human pilot because they could actually predict the movements of the, of the pilots. And so I'm really interested to see, I know we've just kind of mentioned it here, but how his, how his kind of precognitive abilities become part of the story, because it kind of feels like that's a tool now in Pike's tool belt, right? He could be like, Hey, Hammer, what do you think? And Hammer's like, uh, somebody about to shoot us or, you know, we might get those sorts of things. So I'm excited to see how that develops. You know, I think the next song we're going to have to work on is Hammer Time. So, yeah, uh, there you go. Well, there you go. There. This, <laughs> and I have to tell you, there's this great scene between Jamal from Enterprise and Shran where they're talking to each other. Um, and, you know, it's after you what you were just talking about, Jim, where um, they're talking about the myth of the Enar. And um, she says, you know, I've never met a blue skin. And he says, you're blind. How can you tell my skin's blue? And she says, 
don't ask me to explain. I was never very good at science. And he says, neither was I. <laughs> so yeah. They can is tell great. colors, even though they're blind, man. There you go. Yep. I love it. I'm, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to uh, taking the journey with Hemmer and having more Hemmer time. All right. Well, I got the last clip here and this was just a fun one that I wanted to throw in here. And it's called, You're Just Toying With Me. If I can find it, where did it go? There it is. The surface of the comet is bombarded by ridiculously high levels of cosmic rays. This will buy you two hours. Any more, and your insides will turn to liquid. Ow! You could have warned me. Didn't you know it was going to hurt? You have had people run on me? Weapon up, people. Kirk, over. When you recovered with me. You ready for this? I'm more than capable of managing any pain you can induce. Fuck. Now you're just toying with me. That was not my intention. I've noticed. Heads up. So first of all, I love Chapel. I I really like the the way they're they're building this character. I I think she's awesome. She's becoming my favorite character. On the show next to the awesome dumb man of Anson Mount. We, we know this already, but I'm really liking Chapel. And I, I wanted to throw that clip in there because Chapel and Spock always had this. Well, not Spock so much, but Chapel always had this attraction to Spock. And I'm glad that they're building on that in this series because we know that it exists. And just to see that little that little interaction there, I just I chuckled and I thought it was great. And the one the other thing that I liked about the scene is. We see people running around with hypo sprays, like it's like in every other episode of Star Trek, and we never see that it hurts. Well, guess what? It does because Uhura even says so, and I thought that was a great little touch to throw in there. So I just wanted to play that clip for you guys. And yeah. um, Jim, it's I, great I mean, to me. It's great to me. This this nurse chapel is the most kind of like J.J. Abrams, Kelvin timeline type of character that we have. And I think it has something to do with Paul's uh, comment on the way that they're writing her, her syntax and how she uses kind of colloquial language and stuff. But why doesn't it bother me? I am totally with you. I love this character. I love her energy. I love that she feels like sort of super young and like go get her. And she has this wit about her that I feel like even the major Barrett character um didn't have back in the day so to me they're they're taking this character to new uh strange worlds <laughs> and i well, like I, it i like where they're i taking find it. her very relatable um yeah for some reason she's just it's like you know i would run into her at a local comic book shop and just sit down and talk with her about batman or something and she'd be right there she just seems yeah. like uh you know you know, approachable to me. I just, I just like the way they're writing her. I don't know if you guys saw the picture I posted on our Trek talking page, but there's a picture of them in between takes and nurse chapel is laying inside the, the eye beams of sick bay with her legs up, up in, in the, like a cat. <laughs> and I don't know if you guys saw that picture or not, but if you didn't go and check it out. And it's just, I just, I just love what, what she's doing with the character and the way they're writing her. Um, I just, I like her. So I wanted to play that clip for you guys and uh, talk a little Let's bit about it. Let's try this. The slightly crazy 
girl next door. A little yeah. hit, little, for our modern times, a little hippie-ish. Yeah, I just, but I just like her. It's just, but she's approachable. Yeah, she is. You know, I, I, I think that she's, 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 um, she's, she's, yeah, she's the girl next door. She's not, she's not a seven of nine in a, in a body hugging cat suit, but she's very, uh, she comes across very feminine, uh, which is not a bad thing at all. Not a negative thing at all. She's, she's attracted to Spock, which we know that she was on TOS. I'm just wait, waiting for her to make him some Vulcan Plemic soup. And have him have him throw it at her, um, but I just like her character. I yeah, just, I think I the like through her. line that uh, that she's taking with the character is that well, obviously this is an actor who's super charismatic, right? But the the through line I'm seeing with with Chapel is that she's playful, right? She she has you know she'll have a little badinage with people, right? And she'll bandy about a bit, and she doesn't just do the business at hand. She kind of has to say something to see if they'll play back, right? She's always trying to make that extra comment. And it's a good contrast when you have another character like La'an Noonien Singh, right, who's super haunted, and she's like, when you bitches have recovered, <laughs> weapon up, yeah. right? She's pretty hardcore, and she's pretty, you know, she's always going to have that veneer of trauma. And so, you know, and it's nice to have that foil there so i think playing the playful side is good it'll be interesting to get to know her better and find out what's beyond that but yeah she's just super playful you know and i, I like her. and the characters are well done i like her i like her a lot uh, all right guys mind, this is the younger version of uh Miguel, so she's she's going to have a lot of um more of an experience of what she, she has in tos so she's going to act a lot differently than uh the TOS version. Well, and the yeah. TOS, like Major Major Barrett didn't like as Nurse Chapel. She's most often put into a position where she's like, "Yes, Doctor," and she goes and she gets stuff. Like there, there are a handful of episodes where they kind of take her character and develop it just a little tiny bit in TOS. So it's nice that they have that freedom now in Strange New Worlds to take her further. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, David. David, I'm gonna I'm gonna put gonna swing the spotlight right back on you, buddy. So on a scale of one to ten, we've heard the clips, we've all talked about it. You heard what the fans thought. The fans gave it an eight point eight. Where are you on the scale of one to ten, David? I really like this episode. I am definitely gonna give this a ten. Um, I know that we. I know that my last week's score was 15. I kind of went a little crazy with that because I was so excited about it. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, this is definitely a 10 for me because, um, for one, I I enjoyed this one a lot more, well, a lot more than I thought I would when it came to the record of how Star Trek series from, like, Picard and on or even Discovering on, you know, they started out really good at the beginning and then they're slowly kind of, like, downhilling from there, and I'm hoping that this series does not do that, because with the episodic stuff with the original Star Trek is supposed to be like, this is what I enjoy about Star Trek, and I'm really hoping they keep that from going downhill from here on out, because, yeah, this episode, um, even though, yes, last week was 15, I was originally it was supposed to be 10, but, you know, I'm going to give it a 10 still, because I'm still enjoying what they're doing, and I hope that it continues. 
Excellent. So we got a 10 from the first person in Portland. Let's go to the second person in Portland. How about you, Paul? Well, I got to, I, again, I'm, I'm holding it up just to everything that I've seen uh, since uh, Paramount Plus kind of came into the picture here. Um, this parts I've liked of all the different uh, franchises and parts I haven't. But I, I think these guys have, they, I feel like they've prepped way hard and they really did their homework and they, they have carefully thought this through. And it, it shows. And there's a lot of fealty to, uh, to the past, but willing to go in, in some interesting new directions, right? So I'm, I'm, and so well cast. So, you know, right, right now it just comes across as just such a, a breath of fresh air. You know, there's no one sobbing and crying and, you know, over, over navel gazing. And there's just none of that, right? It's just, it's, it's, it's lean and it's, uh, it's engaging. It's fun. The fun part. I don't think you can emphasize that enough. It's freaking fun to watch this show. Right. And so for me, it gets a 10. I mean, I think they're on a, a great, you know, start to things. I cannot believe that it's 6.15 in the evening and I still haven't had a chance to watch today's new episode yet. So I'm super excited when we're done here and everyone's hey, put to bed. I haven't watched it yet either. I can't wait to watch Three that tonight. Three times. Really Three looking times forward to I've it. I've watched it already. <laughs> it's it's going to be terrific. But just life got too busy here today, man. So uh, I love what they're doing. I love the kind of vibe where it's like every episode we kind of rotate the focus on a different character a little bit more, right? We have... Uh, Last week it was Uvora that we got to spend a little more time with, right? And I think I know who we're spending a little bit more time with tonight, which is going to be interesting. So super excited to see where they go. Um, it's just a, a real uh, a real treat to be getting this served up on a weekly basis. And, uh, and I love this. Uh, you know, it's like last, we had no idea last week, right, that we were going to be meeting the Shepherds and see this whole new alien race, right? That's great. And we've got a bunch more episodes to go, so I'm super excited to see uh, what other new things are coming that we don't know about yet, you know? So it's just uh, all the surprises. It's going to be very delightful. And I know we got a big Spock-centric episode teeing you up for Monday, Jim, uh, coming up uh, in, a, in a couple weeks. It's going to be very Spock-focused. I'm super looking forward to that and seeing where they go in the Mr. Spock's mythology. So uh, bring it on, baby. I'm, I'm delighted. And wrapping up our Portland crew so far, we got 10 out of 10. We have Eric. Eric, what do you think? Uh, super good episode. Uh, definitely dug the storyline. Definitely dug the aliens. Um, I, I'm totally on board with this show. I think it's, it's going really, really good right now. Um, I will say, Paul, that I am happy that we have this type of show versus uh, the types of shows that do have people crying every week and that sort of thing, because I am not against <laughs> that type of Star Trek either. So um, I'm not as, either. As I, as I, as I like this, as I like this type of Star Trek, I always try to not disparage the other Star Trek that's coming out right now, because I think it's all really, really good. So I give this episode a nine point two. No round numbers nine, for you. A point. A point, huh? Uh, nine point <laughs> two. I mean, this is this you is definitely not. 10, but it feels it feels higher than a nine to me. I mean, to me, my like in recent Star Trek memory, to me, the discovery for a season four finale was a ten, and so I'm measuring everything else against that. So I gave Strange New World cool. premiere a nine point five. Gave this week nine point two. So that's pretty close. 
pretty close. That Excellent. Is, that is consistency. Consistency. The spice of and, life variety. That's right. And that brings us right back to Las Vegas. How about you, Charles? I'm questioning why, Eric, quit with the mental stuff. Stay out of reading my notes while I'm writing them. <laughs> I gave last week a 9.4. Last week, let's say a 9.4 was a 9.5. I gave it a 9.5. I decided to back off just a little bit this week and going at a 9.2. Now, one thing that they did end with this episode that I thought was rather perfect. I love the philosophical question on the end. Well, yes, we moved the comet, but the comet didn't really change. Yeah. But Spock helped, yet this is kind of maybe where the comet was going to go and maybe the comet was expecting Spock to help him do that change. Yes. You're right, Charles. race play a little bit with time. This is playing with that whole idea that Pike is dealing with in the, in the show right now of predestination, right? It's like, is yeah. my fate sealed? Or, and so the, the question to me in this episode is, was the Enterprise crew on this path where they had to do this thing because that's the way that it was always supposed to be? Uh, it's just, like, fascinating to me. And, and you put that exactly. up against, Yeah, and you put that against the aliens here from this episode that 100% believe that this thing is going to do what it's going to do because it is prophesied that it's going to do it. Um, Okay, so what happens when the scientists, like, they observe something that exactly falls in line with that? Does that throw their science out of whack? Or does it make them just kind of look inside themselves just a little bit and say, hmm, maybe I am part of something bigger? I think that's the message that Pike's getting here. Like, hmm, you know, maybe I am part of a bigger thing, even though my fate is sealed. I like that. Yep. All right. Well, that we... That leaves me to bring up the caboose. And uh, I love Anson Mount. He's the man. Um, But I got to say that, um, you know, I prefer the way Discovery and Picard are. I'm not really digging this episodic thing. I think it's a step backwards from what Star Trek could be. Um, Case in point is Spock and the asteroid. What was that all about? They never told you. What he was doing, we never saw No, him. they totally I, – I think you guys missed something. If, if we don't understand what was going on, what, so when Spock – Well, I watched so it four all, times trying yeah, but to they catch come up it. With, so. But they come up with a plan ahead of time, and then they – you know, at one point, Ans, uh, uh, Pike is like, okay, Spock, it's your turn. And then Spock says, I'm diverting all my power to shields, and he talks about how he's using his heat shield. So essentially what he does is he sends a ton of power to his shields, heats them up. And as he drives across the surface of the planet, that heat is what starts to break the thing apart, which is what causes it to stray off course. Oh, I, I understand Slightly that because I watched it several times before I brought my point up is that they never – Spock never – he just shows up in the shuttle. We never we – don't, we don't see the shuttle leave. We don't hear the plan. They're being chased, and all of a sudden there's a shuttle on this bottom of this asteroid while they're being shot at by the shepherds 
And um, it just, for a show that's streaming, that doesn't have to be a certain amount of minutes long, um, they could have had a line or two or explained something to, you know, why Spock was there, how Spock got there, what was the plan in the first place, um, you know, that whole thing. And then there's another scene earlier in the, in the episode where they're on the asteroid and the next thing they're all on the bridge in their uniforms. And it's like, like seconds later. And, and we never see them. We, we don't, we never see them come back or do anything. They're just on the bridge. And um, to me with a show like this, there's no need for stuff like that to happen when they could have just, Beamed them up and showed them walking out of the transporter room, but they didn't. Yeah, I, I gotta, they I just, gotta disagree though, man. Wow, I just like yeah. that's 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 so that's so it's like the old-fashioned way of storytelling, though, right? It's just like we 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 know that we've seen that, and I like the fact that the the show doesn't feel to slow down the pace. By it's like okay, doctor walks into the room, closes the door. Hello, I'm your patient. I'm your doctor patient. Hello, how are you? I'm fine, good. I am. Let me look at your test results. Instead, the scene starts with the doctor going, "You have cancer." Right? They get right into it right away, and it's not all the show the doctor getting out of his car. We we know how they're going to do all that stuff, and I think that they're just trying to minimize the exposition. There is so much exposition in science fiction, man. It just drags things down and slows it down, and and kind of dilutes a lot of the fun out of the storytelling sometimes. And they're just gambling with the, or taking the 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 perspective here that that the audience is going to be able to figure it out and, and not slow things down with gumming it up. Right. I, so I if think the doctor, if, if you skip the doctor scene and we go to the patient dying on the bed and we, we have no idea why they're dying, what they're doing there, what anything it, it, it becomes to me, it becomes lazy storytelling. Well, does it matter how he got on the shuttle? What matters is that he was on the shuttle and he drove the shuttle and he broke the comet apart. I mean, and in fact, Pike says that he's he's got a plan. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it does matter because it it, it does matter is what I'm saying, because if they're just going to write a story trope like that and, and just have something happen with no explanation, you know, where did he get the idea? They're just going to put him there and it's just going to happen. If this is the way they're going to write the stories from this point on, I'm, I'm worried. I'm concerned because Paul just said, it's like old Star Trek, but it's not the sixties anymore. It's not the eighties anymore. It's not the nineties anymore. You know, we want stories that are complicated. We want stories that are in depth. We want stories that, that, that tell a good story. And this story was absolutely spectacular up until Spock shows up on a shuttle. That's where it lost me. Um, But at any rate, um, yeah, so that's it. That's it, guys. I just wanted to say that, and that's my my take on it. I'm going to give this episode an eight, in my opinion. But, but before we go, I want to ask you guys this. Do you like doing the episode with the sound bites. What do you think, Paul? It was interesting. I, I, I thought it was okay. Yeah. I mean, I like the idea of, of not having a, 
a rigid formula that is always what we do. So people listening know what to expect. It's just like, cause it, then it's just like, Oh, this is uh, this thing. I know I can tune out here cause it's like convention calendar or whatever. All right. If it's a little more unpredictable, I think that keeps the audience intrigued. Right. So maybe mix it up one week, try this one week, try this. And uh, I think it keeps us creative. What do you think, David? Did you like the sound bite thing? Yeah. I kind of agree with Paul. I like to mix it up. All right. Eric, what do you think? You like the sound bites? Yeah, it's all good, man. We, we used to do sound bites, and then we, 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 we got away from it. What about you, Charles? I think I agree with the guys. The variation. We can do sound clips sometimes, maybe not. Just see what our mood is. See what happens. I think I made the comment with the chat. We need you need to get the sound bites a little louder. They were a bit soft. All right. Well, guys, believe it or not, that wraps up our show. Can't believe it. It just flies right by. But as Paul said, we are going to be back with you on Monday night. We're going to do an iGrock Spock show, which is going to be interesting. We're going to talk all about Mr. Spock. That's right. Our resident alien from TOS. And we're going to dive deep. There's been a lot more people that have played him than just Leonard Nimoy. So we're going to talk about that on Monday night, same bad time, same bad channel. So make sure you set your calendars and join us on Monday night. And before we go, I want to say thank you so much to our trifecta from Portland. We'll start off with David. Thank you for hanging out with us and Trek Talking tonight, David. Yeah, that's fun. Stay out of trouble. Oh, I'm going to try. <laughs> and, of course, thank you so much to our very own Paul, the line guy. Thanks for hanging out and Trek talking with us tonight, Paul. My pleasure, brother. Thank you so much for hosting this amazing fun time. And there's more to come. <laughs> and also, thank you so much to our very own Eric, also from Portland, for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you, Eric. Absolutely, guys. This is one of my favorite parts of the week every week. So thanks a bunch. And I think I'm going to have to start working on Hammer Time. We don't know enough about him yet, but I'm going to, I got an idea for him. So maybe you guys will hear Hammer Time uh, one of these days on Trek Talking. Who knows? And uh, last but not least, thank you to our Las Vegas connection, none other than Charles. Thank you for hanging out and Trek Talking with us, Charles. Thank you. Looking forward to Star Trek and always leading me into my Friday. And it's great, isn't Thanks, it? Sir. And Thanks, uh, I want to let you guys know that next week we're going to talk about the ghost of Alaria, which is the episode that was on tonight, which I've already watched three times. So we're going to talk about that next Thursday. So I'm uncle Jim saying to everybody, please stay safe and uh, be good to each other. Star Trek fans are the best fans. You better believe it. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Hail. Good morning, Prosper. Cheers, friends. Be well. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.